Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. <laughs> That's what a lot of these people out here are about. A lot of we even know sex drive. Hi, I'm Eric. <laughs> I'm Brittany. And we are for Colored Nerds. Uh, the conversations that white people have. That white people have? <laughs> white people be having conversations that they have. <laughs> the co- they have too many the conversations. That, the, the, the conversations that white people have and black people are in the room are like, uh, like Donald Trump's <laughs> platform. <yeah. laughs> uh, the conversations that black people have when white people are not in the room. Yes, but we record them and put them on the internet. Yes, because we are real. Yeah. Keep it 100. What's up? Uh, man, you know, I'm just out here. Honestly, like, I'm like the fucking Destiny's Child song. So good? I'm doing so, so, Yo, so, so, so. That I'm proud so of myself good. for being able to, con- like, so good, immediately so good, have the reference. So good. Yes, that is, for those who don't know, that's from Destiny's Child album, Writing on the Wall. That's cool. Um, what so are we talking I, about today? We were talking about, uh, well, we are, today we're going to talk about uh, our alma mater. Yeah. Which is Latin for other mother. Mm. Yes, actually, I actually don't think I knew that. Yeah, no, no, I'm here. Yeah, that's the thought. The thought is that you leave, you leave your family home, mm. and then you go to this other place. Your other mother that kind of teaches you, it like finishes molding you into the person that you're going to be. I'll say this. Yeah, all that old accurate. white people, East Coast Latin, <laughs> Ivy League, Seven Sister bullshit. Um, but before we get to that, we're a little off. We know we were off last week. We know we're late and shit. We know. Yeah. Um, and apologies for that. That's yeah, and I mean. I had a lot of thoughts because we didn't record last weekend. So any thought that I had, I wanted to tell you I saved it. I mm. put it in a notes file. Yeah. One of them was, hold on. I was about to say, I, I still don't know this because we <laughs> didn't talk. I know. Well, no. One of the, I'm going to just give you, I'm going to give you the best piece. Maybe I'll give you the rest of them at some other point in time. But things to tell Eric. I'm glad we both got Fitbits the same week. Yo, I love my Fitbit. Shouts out to Fitbit. Shouts out to Fitbit. If y'all ever want to sponsor the show, no, I got seriously. some good stories. Because <laughs> look, I got some. Good, I got some good stories between the fact that I didn't know that I wasn't sleeping until I started using you guys as a sleep tracker. Yeah, and I didn't know that my resting heart rate was as low as, as low as it was, which was surprising. Additionally, I got. I'm getting a little the pod bod, which on one hand is cool because like it makes your boobs bigger, gaining yeah. weight. But on the other hand, like. I'm trying to, you know what I'm saying? I got a couple years till I turn 30. I'm trying to, <laughs> trying trying to tighten to, up. Trying to, yeah, trying to moisturize my situation, tighten up, preserve <laughs> my sexy. And the Fitbit, when I do actually decide to begin exercising, is going to come in handy. Yeah, I mean, now that my mom is gone, I'm like slowly dropping weight. Like, very, well, actually, not slowly. <laughs> All them chicken quickly, and pinto beans. Right? Yeah. Oh, man, I was in heaven. I was so jealous. But, uh, but yes, yeah, so I mean, I'm straight on that. It's all about the sleep. The sleep tracking is amazing, though. Isn't the, the sleep tracking? That's it's why helpful that's just why to I told even you to get know. Because you, you, you now you're much more cognizant of, like, what you need to do before you go to sleep. 
Mm-hmm. Anyway, this is like, what are, what, no, are we, what are we doing? Look, look, look. All I'm saying is the most important thing that actually I had in here. I hate having braids, but I look so cute in them. Is this the meaning of bittersweet? <laughs> thought I had. First off, let's talk about let's talk about <laughs> Britney's relationship to braids. Britney had okay, so Britney is so fake that Britney hasn't had braids longer than like two weeks in her three weeks. life. Oh, excuse me, three weeks. Three weeks. Okay. You made it through. Your head is so tender, like <laughs> that is set. I remember Britney was sitting at our house, couldn't couldn't could barely. This was the blink. first time I had braids. You could barely blink. You couldn't like. Fur your was it fur uh, fur fur on my your brow. brow like I couldn't I was moving from waist up like Barbie couldn't move my shoulders couldn't move my arms it was like you just got Botox I was like <laughs> what is wrong with Botox you Botox on my entire body she was just sitting there in pain she's like y'all I just can't do it I just can't do it y'all it's is this like I understand how people go through this I, we're sitting there like yo you got chill you asked me you said out. why did you you like well, why did you do that to yourself and I said to be cute and it was cute i look cute with braids but like i don't know what it is i feel like everyone else in the free world gets braids and they live their life and for me it's like i might as well i really might as well staple a farm animal to my head because that's how comfortable it is for me to have fucking braids you gotta commit do be like channel melissa harris perry i just i don't know how she does it i don't know if people are putting novocaine on their scalp or what you know after time whatever it is you know what what will be will be no i was like complaining i actually someone very close to me in my life told me that he was going to make videotape me giving a sworn statement that i would never get braids again because it was literally like i had them and i did not stop complaining the entire time that i had them but they're so cute on me I'm glad. I'm glad that you're somewhat past your braids phase. This was almost like this was like the time you used to tell me all the time you were gonna go to like the, is it the like sixty dollar weave store? Oh like my god! Get no a sixty dollar weave. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Uh, is it how much uh, is it? Fifty dollar weave shop. <laughs> That's what it is. Cause I'm going to the fifty dollar weave shop. They had locations in. <laughs> Southfield, Michigan. I think they had another one in Detroit, but they might have just been in the Detroit area. They had a couple in New Jersey. Uh, I think they might have one in Atlanta. I can't remember. $50 Weave Shop, for those who don't know. First of all, had the fire theme song on their website. It's the end of the show. I know. This is the (laughs) The $50 Weave Shop. The reason why it's so cheap, because this is the thing. For the people who don't know, Weave is is an ex- is an expensive process. Yeah. And so you it's have time to time intensive, right? Time intensive. You have to wash, blow dry your hair. You should probably trim it. Put it in cornrows. Then you have to have you have to also buy hair, which can be you can buy hair off the internet or you can go like to like a spa, like the, the people who really Fulton know what they're doing. <laughs> or go to Fulton Street. Um or just collect strands that you see passing in the wind. <laughs> um if you live in my neighborhood, but you or, or you could go to like a, a specialty place that like sells human hair and like go and like get the right color blend so that it like it like mixes well. And you and then you have to get them. They have to make the tracks or you can order the tracks fully done. Then they have to take a, get a special hook, like a uh-huh. hook needle and then like sew them into the cornrows yeah. around your head. And you maybe you get a full thing. Maybe you're just getting like a like a partial. I don't know. Maybe you just you know leaving out the U part. I don't know. But weave is expensive and it's time intensive. So with the fifty dollar weave shop, and this could be something that's like five hundred up, upwards of five hundred dollars easily. So they've optimized this process, right? What you do is you come in with your hair already blown dry, like blown dry and, and trimmed, which you should be doing. And then what they do is they cornrow, and then you come with your own weave, and then they they just, they just, they just sew, sew it in. in. So like a person very close to me, yeah, I will not say who they are. They don't. 
you know, I'm not going to tell their business. I was going to say, tell the truth, shame the devil. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but this person um, did go to the $50 weave shop. I don't know if they want me to put their business out. I don't know if they care or not. But, um, yeah, and they had a good experience. This person had a good experience. But, yeah, they ha- when you went to the website, <laughs> when you went to the website, if you wanted to give them a style, it was $90, yeah. which is still super cheap. If you went to, went to the website, as soon as you get on there. Because I'm going to the $50 weave shop. And that was what it was. I just remember we used to talk about this shit all the time. One, because I've always you, wanted to have a weave. I have not the patience or the scalp. Brittany has never. Well, clearly you don't have the scalp, but Brittany has always, like, always. You always worn like like two styles. I've seen you. You up, like straight down. hair, yeah, yeah. Up, <laughs> up down. And so, like, you just always talked about like getting a weave. And I was like, yo, like one when we were at Howard, it's like, yo, it's not like. Like getting a weave is like some special shit. Like you, but look, you can not throw to... a fucking stone and hit like six people with a goddamn <laughs> weave. Like what is your? But all problem? weave is not created equal. Some people's weave is a mess. <laughs> you know this. You know this. You know this. You know this. But anyway, that just reminded me. <laughs> yes. Like what the fuck is? Happening? But yeah. Anyway, I can't have braids. I'm not allowed to. So I look cute with them. And it was nice when I was on the road. It was nice to have braids and not be thinking about what my hair is to look like. Mm-hmm. But um. I don't know. I have the hair of like a Bichon Frise. It's very thin, very fine. So like, even when I had the braids, after about like two weeks, my actual hair just starts coming out of it Isn't and like feathery little pieces. No, other people's hair somehow stays better. I didn't even, weave. yeah. And like the braids just come through, and like my hair just is. It's not cute. Mm. Wow. Anyway, but you know, uh, enough about me. Let's talk about Howard yes. University. Yes, let's switch. All right, so so. Take us, take us, take it, take it to the house. We're gonna take a little journey before we actually start talking about. All right, go ahead, Eric. All right, so I mean, it's no secret, no, that the students today, Mm -hmm. black students today, Mm -hmm. are witnessing the amazing advances and progress that, uh, well, relatively amazing advances and progress Mm -hmm. that. our grassroots protesters, you know, our friends, our family in the Black Lives Matter movement mm-hmm. have been able to enact, you know, in terms of being vigilant, being committed to um, not standing for um, this bullshit that we call like dealing with America. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, anyway, students all over the country have been, you know, seeing this and realizing that, hey, I mean, there's nothing necessarily stopping me from enacting these same types of methods. So we've seen that. Um, in the protests at University of Missouri, Mizzou. Mm-hmm. Um, we've also seen this at Yale. Black black students, they're like, and also other students of color too, are like, yo, we're not, we not putting up with this bullshit anymore. Yeah. Um, so in them standing up for that, there has, sadly, they've been met with almost equal vitriol, like in terms of, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, racists coming out the, the woodwork uh, and, you know, threatening their lives, you know, um, shouting racial epithets like you name it you know mm-hmm. same old shit from the 60s coming back <laughs> uh to a certain <laughs> yeah. degree and the response to that has been interesting in terms of like i mean you got you got a lot of different people who have feelings about you know whether like to the degree that students should protest and and um and stand up for what they're, they they look to believe. And mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, that that's not something, I mean, clearly you know our position on that. Like, we, we, we are in full support. Um, but in addition to that, there's a lot of question of, like, safe space. Not question. There's a lot of talk of about safe spaces and whether or not HBCUs 
are positioned as a safer space Mm -hmm. than predominantly white institutions. And HBCUs have kind of really, like, there's been a lot more talk about historically black colleges and universities than in the past, like, two months. Yeah, than than what we've seen in a long time. Like, BuzzFeed has actually recently done, not necessarily connected to this, but surprisingly well-timed. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, They just did an awesome series on HBCUs that, you know, looked at, like, a variety of different um, topics and issues and Mm -hmm. had some some awesome pieces come out uh, there. Uh, Shawnee Hillstone was also, as part of that, Shawnee Hillstone was also on yeah. Another Around, yeah. which was awesome. They yeah. talked about HBCUs. But basically, people have been talking about HBCUs and the issues that people, that their students face. And can that be, like, is that where we should be going if you're black to, you know, to feel included, to not have to deal with, you know, these potential issues that are, happen or the the landscape of the environment that's happening at predominantly white institutions all over the country. So that's kind of that's been happening and then there there was an article on Gawk, on Gawker or a piece mm-hmm. an essay. It came out like a couple of weeks ago by Jared Loggins. And the title of this is The Safety Myth About Black Colleges. Provocative. Yes. And position right under that is Howard's wonderful library oh um oh and the yard and a picture of the yard in the clock tower yeah this basically this essay's uh contention is that you know it's a myth that black colleges are um this safe spaces are these like amazingly safe spaces or this utopian um environment for black people Mm -hmm. um and it makes that assertion excuse me Mm -hmm. it makes that assertion based upon the fact that um HBCUs have issues. Uh, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, is their uh, lack of attention, protection, uh, and inclusion of LGBT people. In addition to the fact that a lot of times their money ain't right. <laughs> uh, I mean. And approach to just general administrative processes are flawed at best. I was going to say messy. Flawed at best sounds, sounds a lot kinder. And initially when I read this, and, and to frame, Brittany and I have made no secret of the fact that we went to Howard. <laughs> yeah, we've mentioned a couple times. Yeah, you know, <laughs> um, and we are, I think I would say we're, we're, we're proud bison. I would say so. Definitely. At the least. At the very least, yeah. <laughs> uh, and my, my immediate reaction to this, I puffed up my chest a little bit. And I was like, well, hold up. You know, I got, I got a little, like, mm-hmm. testy. And I was like, well, wait. And then, you know, as as most as what I would recommend most people do, I I took a step back (laughs) (laughs) and like I reread and I was like, well, let me let me read this again. Let me actually like, you know, process this a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And I was like, hmm, I was like, well, there's some some points here, (laughs) you know, like. (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know, then as I normally do, Uh I. I opened up Slack. Sometimes it's G Chat. Sometimes yeah. it's Well no, now, now we we're super underground we're now. Now we got Slack. <laughs> we got a Slack channel. Uh so I popped open Slack and I sent you the link and I was like, how you feel about this? <laughs> <laughs> what did I say? I don't even remember. Well, your I mean precisely, was, I don't remember what I said, but yeah, I know what I generally said. Your response was surprising. And in terms of it your immediate response was surprising, I would say. As you didn't have a puffy chest moment. You were like, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're like, 
it's about right. It's kind of accurate. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of accurate. You like, you know, I had, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but you said you had a lot of issues while at Howard. Yeah. And after you saying that, I was like, well, yeah, I had a lot of issues while at <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, I started thinking about some more and I was like, well, well, damn. So I think today we want to kind of dissect that yeah. a little bit because I, I think it's a useful conversation. Yeah. Um, and I think we're uniquely positioned. I would agree. Having both attended an HBCU. Yeah. Um, to discuss it. Yeah. So I would love to hear if you could talk a little bit more about your experience at Howard, Brittany, and how you can identify with the fact that the this particular article had some points. Uh, well, I had like I had a, like I loved going to Howard. I would say the most difficult year that I was there that was the very first, and yeah, I after the first year that I was at school at Howard, I wanted to actually transfer to another school, um, uh, because there were a lot of things that I didn't like about going there. Like, uh, but then uh, I thought about transferring to. Um, like University of Michigan, mm-hmm. or I don't know why I act like there was another school I was going to transfer to. Yeah. I thought about transferring to the University of Michigan, and then I thought about because um, this is where my older sister went, and I spent a lot of time. My older sister, um, she uh, went. To, she attended University of Michigan, like when they were in the middle of their Supreme Court case about affirmative action, mm. and she was one of like the lead. She's like she like led the charge basically yeah. for the black students at University of Michigan, and like me and my family spent a lot of time taking the buses, mm-hmm. like from like from Ann Arbor, Michigan, like you know like missing school and stuff like that to go down to you know D.C. and like stand on the steps of Supreme Court in the middle of wintertime um, because my sister was like, and I think about how remarkable it is that she was like 20. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, 21. Uh, like, that's what she did. Sadly. But, I mean, not sadly. Proudly. That's like not surprising to me. At yeah. All. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like that, like, so I think I thought about that and I thought about what it was like where I grew up, which I've gotten into in other episodes before. Um, and I was just like, you know what? Uh, even though like, I think the problems that I had with Howard were real. Like, yeah. I thought that it was a super misogynist environment. <laughs> and I thought that, like, a ba- like I couldn't necessarily put this into exact words then, but my general feeling was that, like, every if you were a straight black man at Howard, then, like, it was a perfect place for you to be. It was, like, and, like, every, I felt like a lot of the things at Howard were, like, like catered to fit, like, that type of person's lifestyle. Yeah. And I just wasn't, like... You know, I know that I can be kind of a pill at times, but, like, I really like for things to work for me. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? You've met me before. Yeah. And, like, that wasn't working for me. And so I didn't really want to stay there. Yeah. And I kind of felt like everything – I felt like everything around me was kind of working. And also, you know, also I was, like, a teenager. So, like, the way that I felt – like, there were some valid feelings beneath that. But also, like, the way that I'm wording this, keep in mind, I was, like, 18 and 19 at the time. But, like, I felt like everything around me was just, like – Everything around me bent to the will of, like, black men between the ages of 18 and 24. Straight black men between the ages of 18 and 24. Um, which is troubling. Right, which <laughs> is hindsight. troubling. Which is troubling. And I kind of was just like, I'm not feeling this shit. But all of that, all of that said, when I actually thought about going to Michigan with them white people who probably were not going to be any different than the same white people that my sister had to deal with when she was there in like 1999, 2003. I was like, you know what? I'm actually going to stay right now. I'm actually going to kick it right here. Um, But yeah, no, definitely like, like I, like I had probably, like I I would say almost at every single level of the organization from like 
Yeah, I would say like I don't even I like I don't want to go into too much detail because I don't really want to put people's business out there. I think you can allude to things. I mean, I think yeah, but fair. there were people at like in like I would say on professorial staff, mm-hmm. on administrative staff, on a student level who behaved toward me in such inappropriate and ridiculous ways. But like. Um, that like, but like the culture of of the university supported their behavior. Does that make mm. sense? It does make sense. Yeah, and honestly, that that that's very similar. Even though I would say my experience, the result of my experience, or some of my experiences were similar to, even though they were obviously very colored by my existence as a straight black male. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Your skin refuses to be defined by age. That's why Agency creates personalized anti-aging formulas that smooth fine lines, lighten dark spots, and improve the appearance of dark circles. Each formula is tailored to you and prescribed by a licensed dermatology provider. Formulas are customized with clinically proven ingredients like tretinoin, which is up to 20 times stronger than retinol. Get your first month free at withagency.com. That's W-I-T-H-A-G-E-N-C-Y.com. $4.95 shipping and handling subject to consultation. Subscription required. Cancel any Not everything in life is flexible, but at Capella University, your education can be. With our game-changing FlexPath learning format, you're empowered to fit education into your life without putting other priorities on hold. FlexPath lets you set your own deadlines and adjust them when needed. You can take courses at your own speed and move on to the next one when you're ready. Imagine how a flexible education can make a difference in your life at capella.edu. For over 130 years, McCormick has helped you make mom's lasagna to keep her secret recipe alive. Take over taco night. No matter how chaotic your day is. Conquer the bake sale, even if you get to it last minute. And craft the perfect Sunday brunch when it's not even Sunday. Because with McCormick by your side, it's going to be great. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. Initially, like when I when I was first looking for schools, like Howard was honestly it was it was always Howard. Yeah. Like you know, I stepped onto campus at like I think I came up here. I came up here on like a trip uh-huh. with my mentor and somebody else who was also uh, who would eventually be coming here. And I was like, holy shit! Whole bunch of like you know immensely like intelligent black people all just sitting around talking about smart shit and yeah. being black. Like I'm there. Cute too. They were all yeah. cute. Everybody's fresh. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm I'm there. You sign me up. So, you know, and I got here, and I would say my probably my first year, I was just so afraid that I was going to get, I was going to flunk out, mm-hmm. that I didn't really talk to nobody. I was kind of like, ah, I'm just going to do my work. Yeah. And, you know, I was chilling. Second year, that's actually when we met. We met, yeah. <laughs> you know, 
I was feeling I was feeling life a little bit. You were feeling yourself too. Yeah. And your little polos. That's fair. That's fair. Addicted to but Eric Gang story. Addicted to polo. I was a I was a I was a low I was a low life. Yeah, I know. You uh, were in a Facebook group literally called Low Life. Yeah, straight up. But Eric used to call himself Fitch, like Abercrombie and Fitch, because she <laughs> thought he was real preppy and fresh. But please continue. Anyway, but as my time as my as I continue my time there my or my matriculation, mm-hmm. I started to see some seams. You know, mm-hmm. um, the way I was an RA and mm. as an RA, you know, you have to, you, I think you have to be, you have to open your, you have to open your, your mind a little bit mm-hmm. because you're now responsible for everyone, you know, mm-hmm. on your floor or in your dorm, mm-hmm. you're responsible for their well being. You know what I'm saying? You're there, you exist to, to help them have a great time at college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or to at least help them have a safe and productive time at yeah. college. And that was, I mean, that was a, I was, that was a extremely important experience for me mm-hmm. because even though, you know, normally when you get to college, you're like meeting everybody and you're like, oh, I want to know about you. I want to know about you. I want to know about you. But that's very, um, you still make choices there mm-hmm. in terms of who you decide to get to know. Yeah. And a lot of times that those choices of who you decide to get to know can be very selective based on your past history. But same, you need to be as specific as possible. So like, I mean, like you choose who's familiar to you. You choose who's familiar okay, to you. Okay, there you go. I you naturally you. like, I mean, I was a, I was a straight black man. I yeah. want to know every other straight black man. I also <laughs> want to know every other straight black woman. Uh, <laughs> you did. You did want to know that. I do know that about but, you. But, uh, but as an RA, I really like, you know, I had to, my job was to get to know everybody on my floor. Yeah. And I was exposed. That was the first time I really, you know, had deeper conversations with, uh, with men who are gay, you know, and that was the first time I really got to know, I got to know them. And that really, that like being open to that really helped me advance a lot of my thinking and realize that like, yo, some of the shit that I was exposed to as a kid was kind of fucked up. (laughs) And also a lot of the way that, you know, the relationships at Howard, the way people interact is also kind of fucked up say more about that well going back to this article you know in high school the worst thing you could be was gay uh-huh. and i don't think that's i don't think that's a surprise coming no. from the south you know but the worst thing you could be was gay if if you if somebody called you gay it was like you know it was like it was literally the worst thing somebody could say about uh-huh. you and so you know a lot of like there was no because of that there was no there was no incentive to to understand what comes behind that, you know, to understand somebody's experiences, what goes that you just kind of stayed away because you didn't want to be associated with it. Mm-hmm. But as I got to as I got to Howard, I realized in some ways that it was a similar it was a similar space. Not to say it was the worst thing, mm-hmm. but if you didn't want if if and this is again a very like like this is a straight man's perspective, mm-hmm. um, but. You had to kind of limit how close you were with with people who were with, with people who were gay, or else you could be. It could be assumed that you were, and that was strictly within the context of your relationships with other black men. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, because obviously, of course, it would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and as an RA, I'm like, yo, what the fuck? Like, this was ridiculous. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is ridiculous. And you know. And you try to, like, also as an RA, you try to 
promote that type of thinking. You start try to say like, hey, you know, let's make sure everybody's like getting to know each other. Like, yo, yeah. you got to kind of chill out. Make sure you're open to new people. You know what I'm saying? Not just open to like, oh, I, you know, I'm going to get to know people from New York and I'm from the South, you know, yeah, or yeah, yeah. Vice, versa, vice versa. But there are an amazing amount of perspectives here and everybody here has an immense amount of value. You know, talk to folks. Like, mm-hmm. Let's get to know folks. Let's, you know what I'm saying? That's why we're here. Um, so I saw like that. And then also, in addition, the way, like something that you spoke to is very true in terms of how uh, being a straight black man is very is very it preferential talk about talk about the, there's a word that i know that you that you're about to introduce into the conversation i'd like for you to say it now the um the ratio yes sir yes sir <laughs> so okay so it's no secret yeah that uh in general in most college spaces there are more black women than black men yeah but there is a lot of talk and discussion of the ratio at Howard. The re- actual ratio is something around two to one. Yeah, two or three to one. But I've yeah. heard no, it. No, 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 because it's 66% women, 33% men, two to oh, one. okay. Right. People will tell you when you get there. It's like eight to one. Eight to one. Eight to, 15 to one. It's, and I yeah. remember being like, look, I'm not good at math. <laughs> if, there were 15, if there were 15 women for every man. Yeah. It would be like 95% women. Yeah. Which is, so that's inaccurate. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. But it's definitely. The the perspective on the ratio is, yeah. is crazy. Yeah. And because of that, being a black man at Howard, you like it. I don't care what you look like. It doesn't like, matter. You, you. It you don't matter. feel like you're midnight. <laughs> <laughs> you could be Calvin from the McDonald's commercial. Exactly. And you feel like you are midnight. Yeah, you know you know what I'm saying? Like you immediately are like it's like you're stepping into the juju of Idris Elba, Denzel, like <laughs> you're just walking in this legacy. No, and the crazy part is is I don't know if we talked about this in a previous episode. Maybe we did because I can't remember, but like when I started attending Howard, like the first thing that your that your female RA tells you when you're a girl because the other thing is that we should also mention Howard has this other thing called visitation. Yeah. And and that to me is one of the most immature and damaging things that they do yeah. that a lot of HBCUs still do, which is they separate people by gender. Um and they and you have to like you they regulate how you can interact in in the dorms yes. based on um what what is supposed to be like almost like a merit based system. Yeah, it's like a merit based system. Like if you act up, you can get your visitation taken away. And visitation means that like you can have, I want to say, you can have someone of the opposite sex in your in your dorm or in your room, um, unless you're in the Ebony Sex Palace, aka mm. Meridian, which is now closed. <laughs> R.I.P. Because I definitely like, had a good time in there. Down. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, yeah, unless you're in like a co-ed dorm, which Cook was kind of a co-ed dorm, but it was still mostly for athletes. Yeah, uh, that was its own thing. And then Meridian, which was pop- slow was co- co-ed too. Right? That's right. Yeah, but slow was a little more chill. <laughs> Meridian was lit because Meridian was by Adams Morgan. Yeah, yo, I had a good time, but um. Yeah, but most of the dorms are separated by gender and like they they regulate, like you said, how you can spend time with people of the opposite sex, which basically means like they want to keep you from having sex because they're afraid that like your image, like the the, the, pregnancy, um, you know, sexually transmitted infections and diseases. Yeah. But my thing is like if you're old enough, like like when do you like you're going to regulate that the entire time that I'm in college and then expect me to go out in the world and be able to handle myself. It's like not your it's not your job. It's not your business. It made me feel really infantilized and really irritated as a woman as a young woman to have my sexuality because it's and it wasn't really about no stis it was really about girls getting pregnant yeah. and leaving and going home early and like i didn't even think it really had to do with the university so much as the shame 
Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? And almost like it was almost like a like a hate to bring this dude's name up, but like a Bill Cosby and Ben Carsony kind of like we're going to keep you girls from getting pregnant yeah. by regulating the time you can spend with these dudes. And like that also made like sex and sexuality this very like it was Skeezy. like. Yeah, it made it yeah. skeezy. It made it coveted. It made it secretive. It made it and like all the things that you don't want sex to be because that's when that's when people are like you're, they're less educated about it and they don't want to talk about it and they're less apt to use protection. They're and they're more apt to have sex at like the very desperate little intervals intervals that they get and like hated that shit. But like the hesitation and the ratio were very closely intertwined because like they well anyway going back to when I first started talking about RA. But my RA was uh, I think she was a junior. She was like twenty. And I was like 17. I just got into school. And the first thing that she she talks about, she's like, so, you know, there's a ratio. And if you're a light-skinned girl with a mole over your left eye, and you talking to some dude, don't get it twisted because of the ratio. The very next day, you can see him walk around campus holding hands with a different light-skinned girl with a, also has a mole over her left eye. And it's just like, that was the thought. The thought was like, and I almost like appreciate it in a really sad, 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 sad way. Yeah. Like, that ratio at Howard, and we're not going to get into this because we've vowed as 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 a partnership never to like talk specifically about this. But like the the idea of the ratio and the scarcity of like of the the scarcity of like of the possibility of like um like a straight relationship, straight yeah. black relationship, um that exists at Howard, like also is kind of like exists in like the the actual world. Yeah. Um. And yeah, so I don't want to get too deep into that. I'm kind of almost grateful that they were so harsh with it, though. At Howard, I was 17. I think about that sometimes. I was like 10 years ago. Yeah. I almost want to cry thinking about the fact that, like, my the first interaction that I had with like dating, yeah, and with like the social dynamics of like being around a ton of other black people at once was kind of like eh, your value is iffy. Yeah. Your value is uh, <laughs> it's iffy. It's negotiable. We're not really sure if it really exists. Irreplaceable. You're totally replaceable. <laughs> like that's the first idea that I had about myself as yeah. like. You know what I mean? And it's it's a built-in system based on this bureaucracy to a certain degree. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like it's like that that idea, like even like even though that's like we're just talking about dating and sexuality and that, like that extended into classrooms. And yeah. that extended into I was in like a I was in a film major, so I was in a mostly male department. And it was like some of the shit that my that some like that some of the shit I don't even want I don't want to get into too well, much detail. There but. there's another component to that though. It's not like the, there's another component to the ratio and why that's significant. Too. Uh-huh. But, and also why it it places a certain degree of uh preference to being a straight black black man. Mm-hmm. There is and this is something we have talked about on the show. Yeah. Um in terms of the there's a perspective that black men are it's a much more dire situation for them. And oh, we are in need of a lot more yeah. attention and special care. Yeah. Um, and that's something that also translates to oh, the college experience. Yeah. And how, you know, how, like you say, your professors were related to you. Like, you know, I can sadly say that there's definitely some, some like situations where, you know, I've gotten looked out for. Like, yeah. you know, because of the fact that, well, it's not too many of y'all here, you know, like, yeah. you know, we need to make Shuffling sure. through, yeah. Yeah, we need to make sure, like, you know, you're getting through, like, it's important. If you're trying. That's enough. <laughs> that's enough. And it it does not exist the same way for black women. Yeah. And it's interesting. I mean. Or or even, you know, queer no, people. Hell out. no. And the other thing is, is that, like, the women would look out, too, which is, again, that's, like, also a whole other conversation that also exists in the real world. But, the, like, the female professors and administrators would look out. 
for the boys there. And, like, I yeah. wasn't getting the same shit. I mean, and I, on one hand, like, I can't necessarily go someplace and expect to be coddled. But I wasn't necessarily expecting to be coddled. But, like, the don't degree. coddle this motherfucker who ain't doing shit, who's copying <laughs> yeah. my work. Yeah. Right? And then turn around and have a private conversation with him about, like, is Brittany copying your work? Is she kind of writing? <laughs> I, had a, I had a professor ask a male classmate of mine if we were sleeping together and also if I was writing his coattails. That's deep. I don't even know if I can leave that in, but it's the truth. This shit happened. So, yeah, like that and that that's a scenario that translates outside. Like it's a perspective on being black and the dynamics between being a black man and a black woman oh, God, and being yeah. a straight black man and straight black women. Yeah. You know, that exists outside of the HBCU experience, but it definitely is probably a lot more concentrated within that environment. I will say, though, it does say something about white people. <laughs> it does say something about white people that I was like. I'm gonna I'm gonna stay in this scenario rather than attend the University yeah. of Michigan. Well, I mean, I think, yeah. So, it's, but before we get there, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, in addition to that, there, I mean, there's one other thing that I think is also significant, and like, it also is very much related to um, the type of protests that we're seeing mm-hmm. right now, and I think it's important, and that is our um, our just. Dis- the administration's responsibility to the students. Yeah. And so how the administration relates to its student body is obviously extremely important. And yeah. that manifests itself in different in a variety of different ways. It, it starts with, you know, simple things like, you know, your access to school services, mm-hmm. um, you know, in terms of even like financial aid, health care. Uh, but then also to things like um, safety, yeah. you know, like campus police. Yeah. And I don't want to say that. Like, I mean, the reality is there are definitely issues like that, you know, at, to be straight up at Howard specifically and a lot of HBCUs all over the country. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of times, sadly, I don't necessarily want to speak to any of the reasons why, because I don't think that we have the depth there. Yeah. But um, there, there are issues. There are yeah. issues. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not surprising to meet a lot of really fucking stressed out people around the time that folks are supposed to get their financial aid clear. Yeah. Yeah. You know? It's not surprising to meet a, re- a whole bunch of really stressed out people around housing. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and they're like, 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 you can get accepted. They can tell you that you have a dorm room. Just to clarify, because people may not know. Oh, yeah. And like, you can show up on campus. And then you ain't got no place to stay. You ain't got no place to stay. And, you know, not to say that you were completely asked out, depending upon, like, if you, and, and this is definitely um, relevant at Howard. I don't know, you know, I imagine it's probably real at a lot of HBCUs mm-hmm. and probably some predominantly white institutions too. But if you had a certain amount of, like, get up and go, yeah. you know, you could talk to the right person who who would make sure something happens Yeah, for you. but you have to have the right amount of get up and go. You have and to you know. also have to know the organization too. Exactly. And so, like, a lot of, you know, a lot of, like, for, for me, a lot of being at Howard was really getting to know the process. Yeah. Getting to know what type of actions I need to take that would generate the results I need across um, the administration, across, like, my access to services. And yeah. There. So, you know, at at Mizzou, at Yale, people, like, black students are responding to the administration's lack of attention to the services that they need to mm-hmm. feel safe, mm-hmm. um, to feel included. Mm-hmm. And that is something that HBCUs do struggle with. In addition to the fact, like, uh, this 
this essay specifically pointed out to including and yeah. providing safe spaces for uh, LGBT people on campus. Yes. So. So. That said. That said. I mean, it's like it sucks because something that keeps crossing my mind whenever we have these conversations is like on one hand, like. I'm I'm almost glad that like I had that experience and like that's how they sell you on it when you first start there is yeah. they're like you have to make two or three copies of everything. The great thing about Howard is that you is that you learn how to you, you learn how to exist in the world. Yeah, I mean like I will say like both of us I say have a a pretty good ability to get up in the morning and know how to get a nut. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like we know how to we We're know not how to be sitting out here broke. <laughs> no, 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 no. And like that and like I mean like God bless my parents. They tried to work with my little raggedy black ass when I was a little teenager, but I was a little spoiled brat. And going to Howard kind of was like, nah. All right, you got to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> and like definitely, it like it was it was a good finishing school in that way, in many many senses. But like I I really like to think that there's a way that like and I know that there's tons of other black folks who went to HBCUs who who feel, who feel that way. But I just I want to strongly believe that there's a way to be able to get that same result. Without having to, like, have my education and my well-being, like, mentally or physically be, like, in peril. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? For, like, four or five, six, seven, eight years straight. <laughs> hey, you know, got to be real. Got to be real. And, I mean, and the thing is, the reason why, in spite of these things, the reason why we are such fierce advocates for Howard is mm-hmm. not just because it's, it's where we spent some extremely, like, beloved and crucial years. And tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Um is the fact that there is there is a built-in safety around the foundation of blackness as the norm. Yes. That you cannot you cannot you can't get anywhere else. Get anywhere else. I can barely explain it. You know, like I talk to people and they're like, "Yo, like, were you just like swimming in like blackness as a kid? Like, and I'm like, no, no, no. I sure as fuck you know, wasn't. Like, yeah. I was into pop culture, but I had no ability to really process what I was seeing or being exposed to. Yeah. Like, I had no context for it. Yeah, going to Howard exposed me to a variety of different black experiences yeah. and made it 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 pushed me to be more of a student of my own culture. Mm, okay, in a way that. You know, I know for a fact, had I went to other, had I went to a different school, I would not, like, have had that. I would not have had that push. It wouldn't have been built in to my experience. Now, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to sit here and say that every black person who goes to Howard Mm-mm. is able to tap into that. Yeah. But it is definitely there and available if you can figure out how to access it. Yeah. Access it in a way also is going to be, like, comfortable and safe for you. Because that was something that I definitely had to struggle with. It was just, like... I couldn't, for a variety of reasons, some that I've gotten into and some I'm probably never going to get to. Um, in the, if you catch me in the street, I'll talk to you about it. <laughs> but, like, I'm not going to necessarily get into, um, like, on this type of, like, record. Yeah. But, like, it, like, I did have to do a lot of shifting and a lot of adjusting and a lot of, like, just assessing whether or not people or different relationships, different friendships, different, you know, social circles were going to be healthy or productive for me. Um, but I still like even so like like I think I tweeted this after the after uh, when I shared the the kids article was in Jared Loggins. It's like Howard University is like, like going there is the deciding to go to Howard is the single most important decision that I've ever made in my entire life. I would not be in this room. 
I would not be employed by Gimlet. I wouldn't know you if I hadn't decided to go. Do you know what I mean? And like, I, um, but still going to Howard stressed me the fuck out. And I had to like, it took me years to be able to kind of like calibrate myself. Yeah. um, To kind of be like, okay, like I'm a person in the world and like I feel normal. Like I loved going to Howard. Going to Howard stressed me the motherfuck out. Yeah. And like, it's not to say even that you can't be a black person and have like a and have like a valuable like learning experience or growth experience at a PWI, but like you say, it's almost like you can't explain it. Like being someplace where just like I just I didn't have to worry about that, yeah. not having to explain shit, not having to like like it just gave. It, I've said this before, but like the confidence that it has given me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, same. The confidence that it has given me it just in the fact that like I know myself. I know my history. I know where I came from. Yep. Uh, I know what I'm worth. I know who I am. And, like, in this way that, like, you could put me in any environment, and that shit doesn't change. That shit is immobile. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's not, like I said, it's not to say that, like, you can't have, you can't gain those things. You know what Somewhere I mean? Somewhere else. Somewhere else. But, like, goddamn. Like, Howard University gave that to me in a way that, like, I mean, like, I, like, I, can't, I can't describe it to you. And I think, you know, in addition to, like, <clears throat> While Howard and other HBCUs would like to sometimes think and sometimes overestimate their commitment to academic excellence, you know, that's <laughs> fired. Okay, I'm just saying, like, let's yeah. be real. Um, that really is like that's what they. That's also that's like the number two of what they sell. You know, if you yeah. think about it, yeah. like if you really yeah. think about it, that's the number two of what they sell. Yeah. Like, obviously, there. You know, I would say some. You know. Some some curriculum paths are better than others there. That's a good way to put it. That's safe. I like that. <laughs> but, you know, when you sit in orientation, when I sat in orientation or pre-orientation, actually, um, you know. Love Howard. So on the first fucking... day. Yeah. Um, you know, they they frame your experience. They frame what's like, what's happened to you. Yeah. And, you know, being open to all the different ways that things can have happened, like things can can have happened to you. Yeah. Whether, I guess I see what you're saying. Whether you are, if, you know, if you come from the di- diaspora. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. All the myriad ways that can look. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They're they're open to that. They're saying this is a space where you can dissect that mm-hmm. freely. You know what I'm saying? Where you can look at how, like, you can look at it in hindsight. And mm-hmm. you can look at, you know, potentially the future and yeah. how you can affect that future. Yeah. Um, that is a big piece of what they sell. And I think that that is some again that's another thing that you cannot recreate somewhere else no you can't recreate it somewhere else but what sucks i don't know it sucks even that like like even though you can't recreate it like a student at a pwi should still be able to have yeah. a space to retreat to every once in a while that feels like that totally and like these kids don't have also another thing i was reading um like hbcus take up 3% of our nation's 3000 colleges and universities and like something like 96% of black college faculty, like tenured faculty, are at HBCUs. That's not surprising. I know, but it's like, isn't that a terrifying statistic? Yeah. Like over like like over ninety percent of tenured black professors in the nation are at HBCUs, which represent three percent of our colleges and like it represent three percent of our institutions. It's like obviously like they can't 
it's like the same thing. It makes me think about HBCU, like why a student would choose an HBCU. Like part of why it is that you're not. Yeah, exactly. Part of it is you're not welcome. You know what I mean? I can yeah. only imagine like any of my friends who spent any time in academia. So and like that's a, that's a whole other fucking issue. That ivory tower shit's a whole other fucking issue. But, like so much of like so much of research and like why you get published or whatever, where you get tenured has to do with like just racist ass bullshit people yeah. policing your language people saying that your that your research is not important not being able to get funding and all that kind of stuff like it's just so mind-blowing to me how like how pwis are so ill-equipped to support black thought mm. at any fucking level yeah do you know what i mean like obviously there's some black folks that end up hbcus because that's where they could get a job which is also fucked up but also like I imagine there are a lot of faculty that choose to that choose to teach HBCUs beyond the fact that they want to give back to our little feeble minds. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, and I, the other thing that I want to frame here is mm-hmm. that it's not like people, you know, it's not like students at HBCUs are just sitting in it, like, chilling. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, there has always, as far as I've known, like, yeah. you know, if you talk to the folks who graduated before you and even, like, myself while I was there, yeah. students who are rebelling against the administration to create the type of environment that, you know, is more inclusive, yeah. does combat, you know, the ex- sometimes significant and extreme misogyny that is built yeah. in <laughs> yeah. within, you know, within the university, you know, the... um the homophobia, the transphobia, like there there are students and student movements, you know, across HBCUs that are trying to combat these things. Yeah. Uh, and it seems like, you mm-hmm. know, along with the uh, the growth and extreme visibility that, uh, you know, that black students at uh, predominantly white institutions are receiving that. Mm-hmm. That you know, Howard students and other HBCU students are receiving that same type of attention as well. If you look yeah. at Take Back HU and a lot of other student yeah. movements, you know, to say like, "Hey, look, you know, we're we're not just sitting in this shit. Like, you're going to fix some things. You're going to address some things. Mm-hmm. That's extremely important, and I think that that will continue. But I just to almost like come back a little bit. I want to frame that like safe space is. Like, it's relative to a certain degree. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, it's it can be subjective. Mm-hmm. But I do think that HBCUs are a safer... I was going to say, people talk about safe sex or safer sex. No such thing as safe sex. Yeah. But there is such a thing as safer. Are a safer environment than predominantly white institutions for black students. And like you said, black thought. Yeah. Black experience. You yeah. know? And that's something that I think is important to be like, it, it kind of needs to be said. And, and having been, you know, having come from Howard, yeah. like I feel confident in saying that. Um, and I don't know a ton of people that would disagree. No, I don't think I know any. You know, so I do your research. Yes. <laughs> Talk to people and... I'm also curious about. I mean, do you have anything else you want to like throw out there? No, like I like I already said earlier, it really said it really goes to say something about white folks <laughs> to say that despite everything that we've discussed, yeah, in the past hour, I still was like, you know, I I don't think I need to attend one of the yeah one of the top tier schools in the country, possibly the best public like the best public institution that our nation has to offer. I was like, I'm gonna skip Michigan. I'm good. Yeah, like I mean. Honestly, like I, you know, I did that summer program at Harvard. Yeah. And I was like, man, 
can't wait to school start back in the summer. <laughs> 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 like, like, ooh. Yeah, it's, it's deep, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I was going to say no shade, but... A little shade, a little shade. You know, there's. I mean, I think it's 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 pretty clear. It's work to be done in a lot of places. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know? yeah. Um, but I think we. I think like you know. I mean, and obviously, uh, like y'all know that Black folks are putting PWIs on notice, like as we speak, which I think is a beautiful thing. I'm so happy about because uh, as much as I believe, I believe the HBCUs are necessary and vital institutions. I also believe that Black people have the right to exist fucking anywhere yeah. and do whatever the fuck they want to do. And it feels safe. Yes, and it feels safe. Exactly. Feel exactly. Like their their thought and their work and their contribution to it, academia is it, valued. Exactly. Valued and valid. Like I think that black I think that black people deserve to exist wherever they want to exist. Um but you know, at the end of the day, I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm so glad. I went to Howard, Howard you and not a white school. We should like, actually call the episode that. Yeah. The entire long fucking title. <laughs> I'm so glad I went to Howard U and not a white school. For those of you who don't know, uh, there's this beautiful song. We should actually, I'm going to cut this part out. We should close the, we should close the episode with it. And I think about it right. with the marching band. So, uh, yeah, so there's a beautiful song. I'm so glad I go to Howard U. And if you attend any sort, any Howard event, it could be like the quad step show. It could be, you know, homecoming game. It could be a basketball game. It could be anything. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to sing it for you. But basically the lyrics are, I'm so glad I go to Howard U. I'm so glad I go to Howard U. I'm so glad I go to Howard U singing Glory Hallelujah, because everything is a Negro <laughs> spiritual at the end of the day. Uh, singing Glory Hallelujah, I'm so glad. That's yeah. the song. And um, when we sing it, after, you know, I'm so glad I go to Howard U, we say, and not, and not a white school. And not a white school. And every single event. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Thing. Um and you know, like I said, all this like I I think uh as much as I love as much as I love as much as I love Howard, I think part of loving something is you gotta kinda you know, you gotta kinda wrestle with it. You gotta be critical. Yeah. You gotta I be mean, real. You get me right sometimes. I do try to get you right. You get me right uh, sometimes in different in different, different ways. ways. In different you know, ways. It's it's give and take, exactly. It's like give take. it's give and take. You know, part part of loving somebody is telling them when they're wrong. Yeah, I think James Baldwin had a quote about that that actually wasn't too far from what you said. Mm-hmm. But yeah, basically. Um so yeah, that's uh that's that's I think that's I think it's good. I think it's good that we, you know, that we that we got this off our chest. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean if you have any questions, as always, feel free to reach out to us. Yeah. Keep them emails coming. Keep them Keep tweets. the emails coming. Colornerds at gmail.com. Yes. Uh, in addition, reach out to us. Also, leave a review. Leave a review. Rate and review. <laughs> Rate I, thought and you, you, I thought you were going to say something. You said that like that was some new shit. Like Dang. you were just giving a new concept out. There's this thing. <laughs> There's this thing. Yeah. So just, uh, you know, reach out. Reach out and touch. Touch us through social media. We're there. Um, but that's really everything that I had on my spirit I'm, today. Same. So, All right, y'all. All right, have a good week, you guys, and happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. We're gonna Eric and I are gonna be together on Thanksgiving. Yeah, I'm it's excited be, for this food. I'm excited for the food. I'm excited for the crowd. Gonna be a good crowd. Your family has a good culinary tradition. What is which is? Oh, we cook food. You cook. Oh, thanks. You have okay, good, food. good. Yeah, we do have. I'm gonna I'm gonna be real. Not everybody your, does. Your family has, has but good like food. we can like, legit. We can we got we got it. So I don't I'm have no worries. Yeah, I'm excited. The meal is gonna be good. Peanuts coming. Yeah. Carla's coming. I've got some other very special guests. Should be an interesting mix. All right. Yeah. yeah. Let's do it. All right. Well, um, happy Thanksgiving, you guys. And, uh, you know, we'll holler at you soon. Bye. Bye.
Your skin refuses to be defined by age. That's why Agency creates personalized anti-aging formulas that smooth fine lines, lighten dark spots, and improve the appearance of dark circles. Each formula is tailored to you and prescribed by a licensed dermatology provider. Formulas are customized with clinically proven ingredients like tretinoin, which is up to 20 times stronger than retinol. Get your first month free at withagency.com. That's W-I-T-H-A-G-E-N-C-Y.com. $4.95 shipping and handling subject to consultation. Subscription required. Cancel anytime. 